You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. Is fired up NFL draft draft with your host Daniel Garrett and Mitch Wolf. Mitch, how you doing today? I'm good. You know, I'm the one guy on this podcast whose team is three and zero, so that's fine. <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> it's okay. You lost, barely lost the best team in the country, so I wouldn't hang your head too low. <laughs> uh, yeah, and without Richardson, who you know only playing 25 snaps, but that looks like a fun guy for 2023 or 2024 as. Yeah, doing backflips with pregame and then not playing is uh was not a great decision in my opinion. But listen, I I said this; those were the world's most passive aggressive backflips of all time. <laughs> well, we'll move on from that. <laughs> but yeah, we we got some uh we got three Big Twelve corners and a Conference USA corner to go over today. Very interesting in terms of watches but you know we talked about it before on the last episode where you have four or five conferences with potential first round picks and then the big 12 and you know it's just not not as good defensively as the other top conferences and you definitely see that when you're looking at the corner position and even the guys that they have that you like have their deficiencies. They're quite obvious when you watch them. So it's a very interesting conference. But we have Noah Daniels and Travis Hodges Tomlinson from TCU and Rally Tejada from Baylor. And then our Conference USA players, Steve, Stephen Gilmore. And so let's start out with Daniels here, number 21 for the Horn Frogs. What yeah, he's had a oh, he's had a bit of a weird career just because he's missed basically three seasons. He redshirted in 2017, he missed all of 2019, and then suffered a season-ending injury in the fourth game of 2020. Uh, but he plays boundary corner for TCU, and obviously, if you know anything about college football and pass defense and the Big 12, TCU kind of runs a bit of a different scheme that's been decently effective at times at kind of stopping Big 12 spread offenses. And like I said, he's playing boundary. So he's aligning primarily in press against that single wide receiver to the narrower side of the field. Uh, but he does deep coverage as well. For what I liked about him, you know, he's kind of the standard stuff for a boundary corner. Like he's pretty good at, you know, hemming that receiver into the sideline and not allowing them to get any separation down the field if they're running vertically. Um, his transitions are a little inconsistent, but I do like how he's, pretty sticky in man and willing to engage physically with the receiver. Yeah. And I definitely agree there. It, it seems like with Daniels and a lot of these typical boundary corners that you see in college football a lot, it's very easy to tell 
strengths and weaknesses and credit mm-hmm. credit to the college coaches for putting them in the in the position to best succeed by putting them as a boundary corner but you definitely see where they just don't do certain things and it's a lot of it is their deficiencies now so you you would obviously like them to try those things out in college before they get to the NFL but really for the college team it's best if they don't but I I would have to agree that it's just a very prototypical boundary corner and one of the things that I I was surprised by as that boundary corner was I didn't think he necessarily played the ball great and also when you're looking at that like you said playing some press playing some off when he wasn't off I didn't like his click and close either I mm-hmm. I noticed a couple times he was slipping a bit on mm-hmm. that when he was trying to get back downhill and so I think he's going to be best in terms of initially as that press corner but he is he does look skinny for that as well which isn't necessarily ideal yeah i mean he's listed at 194 so that's my maybe a little generous and like we said he's had a lot of injuries but um i I think for me like my best trait is that man coverage trail technique which again that's very typical for a boundary corner i there were some ball skill plays i liked when he was able to break up a pass and trail technique he's had some uh good numbers there but i think it's hard because like i would say his worst trait is injuries because I didn't think anything of his was terrible, you know, like everything was pretty solid. There were some inconsistencies. Um, and then his worst trait, which I think this is probably the most problematic or sorry, his improvement, which is probably the most problematic for a boundary corner is his run defense. I thought he is a decent tackler for a corner, but he really struggles to get off blocks and from wide receivers, which that should be easier. And I thought, I thought his pursuit angles were pretty poor. Yeah, I definitely agree there. And when you look at, you said his worst trait for you was his injury history. And you look at the body in general, I already brought up the fact that he has a little bit on the skinny side. And then he also seems a little bit high-hipped as well Mm -hmm. when you watch him. And so a lot of those body-type issues may be more prevalent when you get to the higher level of competition. And then, like you said, I personally would put his point of improvement as that ability to play the ball in the air Mm. because if you are trying to be that boundary corner like you said the the run defense is going to be important to improve but also in terms of just your coverage ability I think that's his number one trait because like we said earlier the click and close in the playing the ball and all these things that we had issues with aren't terrible it just isn't good enough to actually play in the nfl at the moment like he can get there and i think with how he has enough length to be a valuable special teams asset as well mm-hmm. but i don't really see what he does as a cover corner as good enough to actually get playing time. And yeah. so we'll transit. What were you going to say? I was going to say to return to the injuries, he still actually hasn't even played this year, which is, I, so, you know, at this point, I think he's a red shirt senior, to, which again, the COVID year messed up all these, you know, class 
designation. So it's really hard to know anymore, but if he doesn't really play at all this year, like he probably could come back for another year. And at that point, he'll be like a 24 year old draft prospect when he comes out. So with, with athleticism concerns, so that's not good. But I think if we want to kind of project where we draft him, I think he's probably like a mid to late day three guy, just because, you know, he has that floor of being a competent man coverage defender. And like you said, has the traits to be a, you know, a solid special teams contributor, but right now the inconsistencies are, too concerning, especially along with the injuries to make him worthy of a early day three or even a day two selection. Yeah, I definitely agree with that draft range. And you could even see just how, with how deep this corner class is mm-hmm. being, he doesn't have those elite traits at any one thing. Like we were saying, he isn't terrible at anything, but he also doesn't have any elite traits. I could definitely even see him falling to be an undrafted guy just because we are in a deeper corner class and a lot of these guys have one or two traits. They might not be as well-rounded as Daniels, but they have one or two traits that team might fall in love with and draft ahead of them, which could cause them to fall to that UDFA type. For sure. And so the next corner we have up is Rally Tejada, number three from Baylor. And Tejada... (laughs) It's very, very weird. He's probably the worst player we've watched for corners so far. I, I think you could even make the argument he's probably the worst player we've watched since we started podcasting together. I'd probably say Corey Durden, but we can come back to that. But um, yeah, I mean, as a six-year player who's pretty small, he's listed at 5'10", 188. I'd be surprised if that's the case. Um. And he's played a ton. Like if you look at his PFF grades, they're really good, but you know, those are, can be a bit of a fool's gold for defensive backs. Uh, And so he doesn't have a ton of ball production. He's only had three interceptions, 11 pass breakups in five years playing, and he's had 13 penalties. So he's mostly playing an off coverage. He's pretty much a field corner and like he can play field corner at this size at the big 12. He definitely can't at the NFL and he's going to have to play a slot, which he didn't really do it in college, which is a problem. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. I can get with you there about worst player we've watched for the positions we've been together on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really thought his, just his transitions and his hip fluidity were a problem. And, you know, I, I thought his best his best plays were when they used him blitzing, which is yep, I ideal. agree. Yeah, he, that, had, he had a that nice can, that definitely helps the PFF grade a lot because of the way they do their formula. Yeah. You're a good blitzer, it's gonna jump you up a lot. Yeah, you have like 10, you have like play like 600 snaps, you have 10 pass rush reps, you get one sack and like two hurries, and you have like a 95 grade, and that brings your rest of your grade up to like an 80. And then like he like he's been solid in coverage, but like there was one game, I think it was the Kansas game where like, I think Kansas was playing their like fourth quarterback or something. They like just never, he wasn't even targeted. I don't think he, he was just never on the ball. They just didn't even throw at him, but yeah, I mean, you know, his athleticism is like, okay. He's his, I would say, I'm not even sure what his best trade is. Like, I guess it would be maybe like short area quickness or like if he's playing in short zones, like he moves decently well, but that's not like a very special trait. <laughs> Yeah, and I I was just very disappointed in him just because 
when when you look at him initially, you don't, and you see what he can do as a blitzer. You look at him and you think this guy isn't that bad of an athlete where he should be this bad of a player technically. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very disappointing combination because, like, you look at him like, look, well, like you said, undersized, a little bit even on the skinny side for how tall he is even he's definitely not 510 though like that's definitely a lie like he's probably like i'm guessing like five eight and seven eights you know yeah and (laughs) even then i don't know how he's more than like 170 yeah yeah he's very small in that and yeah i I think see him get get a few reps as a not press but actually being up on the receiver Mm -hmm. and you know, it wasn't it wasn't great. He he tried to place a little bit of trail too, and this was I believe they were down late to Texas, I believe, mm-hmm. and it just that wasn't good. So you don't want him to be someone playing man to man and being in trail, and like we said, bad transitions as well and hip fluidity. So man to man's pretty much out with him. Yeah. So I, I feel like at this point, like, you know, I, I would imagine that if you're going to take him and put him on your team, you're going to like pray that he turns into like a Mike Hilton type where you can use him as a blitzer, kind of as a run defender, even though his run defense isn't great. But if you get him kind of just screaming off the edge, you know, he can maybe make some plays in the backfield and he can be decent in like, you know, the slot in a short overhang areas. But if you're putting him outside, that's going to be a huge problem. And because of his lack of size and probably doesn't have great long speed, like he's not really going to contribute on special teams much. Yeah, really. I'm thinking about draft range as a undrafted guy, you know, might not even be a, I doubt he's a long-term player in the NFL, but you look and like we had size concerns and stuff. If you go to other leagues, like a CFL or something like, the size concerns kind of wash away and maybe you can get away with being a good corner and like the CFL, which like you don't want to necessarily say when you're a year out from a guy being drafted, you don't necessarily want to be like, Hey, this guy's not like an NFL guy, but like he just doesn't necessarily have the traits to be a high upside guy. Like, like you said, maybe you make it as a, short area short zone corner who blitzes a lot helps in run defense maybe you can make a team like that be able to defend in the flat well but it just doesn't have a lot of versatility to do a whole lot when it comes to the nfl yeah and i think the big thing is like the 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 raw physical traits that kind of give a player his floor are just not there. Like he's short, he's small. He's his athleticism is fine for the Big Twelve, but like he's one hundred percent going to get out athleted by NFL players, and he probably just doesn't have great long speed. So if you're starting from that, there's just not much more you can do, especially because considering he's a six-year player, and on top of that, his technique isn't super refined. So as a you know, as like you said, doesn't really play in press. It's not very good technique. Like there are inconsistencies throughout reps as a coverage defender. So yeah, there's really, I really would be shocked to see him be drafted unless this year he's playing super well. Yeah, I agree with that. And our next corner up is Stephen Gilmore. 
number three from Marshall. And of the last two guys we have here are nice family lineage guys. Gilmore, the brother of Patriots corner, Stefan Gilmore. And I think, <laughs> I think you wouldn't notice it necessarily by looking at them if they were standing next to each other. Cause uh, man, is he small? Yeah. I mean the dreads, I think they have pretty similar dreadlocks, but that's about it because so when Stephen Gilmore was a high school recruit, he is listing on 247 Sports was 5'9", 152. For the last few years, he was listed at 5'11", 175 for Marshall. This year, I think he took some kind of potion or something because magically he's now 6'2", 169. So, you know, I say that very sarcastically because there was no way he was 5'11", to begin with, and there's absolutely no way that he's 6'2", and he's pretty decently skinny. So these measurables are way off. So that's automatically an issue. Yeah. And you know, like schools mess up. Like I was listed at like six, four as a freshman playing basketball, but uh, I'm like six foot now. So, uh, you know, school (laughs) schools mess up with the sizes on the, on their rosters. But uh, yeah, he's, I, I would say, you know, talking about this, what he got from compared to Stefan, I would say the actual, he is a fairly intelligent corner mm-hmm. and is a very comfortable in zone coverage. And yeah, for sure. When he, when he can look back at the quarterback, I think he's actually a pretty good player. I just, I just don't trust him at all to play man at, at yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. It couldn't be more different from Stefan, but you know, I think we talked a lot about Raleigh Tejada playing, having to play in the slot. And I think Gilmore will too, but I think, because of that, if he's playing in a primarily zone defense, he can be quite successful there because, you know, he's got a solid athlete. He seems very smart. And I think the other thing is like, he is, he knows his limitations. Like he knows that, you know, he's probably not going to be like the biggest guy, the fastest guy. So he's not going to, you know, do dumb things. I'm concerned about his long speed, but again, you can somewhat mitigate that in the slot, but his eyes are really good. His triggers really good. He's not the best tackler, but he knows like, he again he knows his size so he knows how to attack ball carriers and like go for their legs and try to take them out that way which is smart again he didn't really play in the slot he played a lot in the slot against louisiana tech which i thought he looked pretty good there um but i also really like his feet at the line of scrimmage his ability to mitigate wide receivers releases was very impressive yeah and well in terms of what he doesn't do well we talked a lot compared to Tejada he has a lot of stuff he does do well but when we do go he does have a few things outside of even the size concerns that he doesn't do well and you look at I don't like we said earlier not great in man and when he is playing the ball in a trail technique he does not does not track it at all it's Mm -hmm. it's rough and so like we said you can these a lot of his things that he does poorly you can mitigate by scheme mm-hmm. but it's just really limits where you can play where he can play just because i think he is going to be very scheme limited and i i think i think he needs to improve you're really looking at the way he addresses the ball at the catch point and i i think it's something you can improve it's not necessarily the easiest thing but if he can do that with how good he is in zone coverage and how small he is 
as a player, you're not necessarily going to want him being someone that struggles at the catch point, addressing the catch point as an outside corner. But if you look at him trying to transition inside more or even being an outside zone player, so the Colts are a team that have Mm -hmm. a lot of – they have had smaller corners play in that scheme. They're good in that zone coverage. So if he can work on addressing the catch point, I definitely think he's a guy that would fit very well in a similar scheme to that and be able to be a productive starter, even perhaps as an outside corner in that scheme, mainly as a slot guy, just due to size. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people think Kenny Moore, Colts slot corner is one of the best nickels in the NFL. And I'm not saying that he's going to be Kenny Moore, but I, I think my improvement was relatively similar in that I want to see his ball skills improve specifically with relation to penalties, because I think like you were saying, when he's in trail, he kind of gets in trouble with penalties and uh, not being able to address the ball as well. So, but I think like you, you're absolutely right. Like coming downhill where he can see the ball and track it. Well, you know, if he can even improve just that and his ability to address the ball when he's looking at it, you know, that's going to be some more picks, the more interceptions, some more passes broken up. And yeah, I mean, I, I think the NFL does like guys with bloodlines. And I think the biggest issue with this guy just seemed to be that he was small. That's why he went to a G5 program as opposed to Stefan, who went to South Carolina. So, you know, in terms of draft range, I'd probably say this is a guy that just because of those size and scheme limitations, probably a mid-day three pick. But, you know, we saw, I think, a guy like Trey Brown from Seattle. I think he was pretty overdrafted. But, you know, a guy kind of similar to that where played a good bit outside in college. We'll have to move inside at the NFL. But, you know, can be a pretty effective player. Yeah, I think think the range is very similar. I was thinking that fifth-round range, which is right Mm -hmm. around where you said. And I think if you are a team – that runs a very zone heavy scheme. I think you can afford to draft him a bit earlier, like fourth round, but you are going to be limited in terms of the high end upside, just due to that size concern. But I definitely think in the right scheme, this is a guy that can be a very good player for you. It's just, Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to get him in a zone heavy scheme, try to not get him to play much man. And, live with the size deficiencies yeah and i think those like like i said like his feet and ability to combat releases in the slot that's going to really help him because you know being able to stick with the guy and prevent them from releasing both ways out of the slot is a really good trait but we'll go from one guy who is undersized and will play in the slot with uh nfl bloodlines to another one (laughs) yeah and that's travius hodges tomlinson from tcu number one for the horn frogs and the nephew of Ladanian Tomlinson, former All-Pro running back, great running back. And you look at him, and, man, you know, this is a guy who, if he was built like Ladanian, <laughs> would, would be a great prospect. But, yeah, sadly, he is very much not. And you look at that that definitely pops out on tape. And, like you said, is going to have to be a nickel because he's about that same size as Gilmore. And yeah. I mean, if this guy was, you know, 5'11, 190, I think he's probably a first round pick because I, I think I still think he's really good. Like he's played every game the last two seasons. He started every game last year. He's playing. So Daniel's played boundary corner. Hodges plays field corner. So the field is open to that side. There's usually more receivers over there. And, 
you know, plays a good mix of press and off coverage. Uh, in 20, in 2020, he had the highest coverage grade, according to PFF, at 90.6, and he broke up 14 passes. So that's really impressive. And like we talked about with TCU's defense, they do a lot of weird stuff, especially to the field side with zone rotations and everything. And Tomlinson does a really good job of mentally processing in zone. So you like to see that. I like his ball skills. Like I said, he had a ton of pass breakups, um, and he's making plays on the ball despite his size. I think my favorite trait of his is his lower body fluidity and control because like his hips are super oily. His feet are super quick. So he's able to, you know, move around that open side of the field and make plays very easily. Yeah. And I, I was actually going, getting ready to go over my best trait, which I thought was his transitions and his hip mm-hmm. fluidity. I, it really is very impressive. And this, this is a guy, like you said, if he was a bit bigger, first round pick all day this guy mm-hmm. this guy's this guy has it and you look and I think you look similarly to a guy like a I would say like even your top end slots is who you're going to be able to compare this guy to mm-hmm. and what you're going to want to now I do think other than his size, one of the concerns was strength at the catch point, which is which goes along with the size. But, you know, he had a lot of pass breakups. But when you go and play a more physical wide receiver, I think he's going to really struggle. And like I said, it goes a little bit along with the size, but that isn't necessarily – all on size because it's a little bit in terms of how you play the ball in terms of the verticality with it Mm -hmm. and he's very good in terms of side-to-side athleticism long speed stuff like that I don't think he's necessarily that elite vertical jumper that you really want with your outs with a guy that is that undersized player you want them to be able to make up for that length deficiency with the vertical to be able to play at the catch point. So in terms of what his NFL role is, that effect would be against bigger slots. And if he would be asked to do anything against tight ends, but I think he's going to be fine. If you put him against like the Cole Beasley types in the slide, I think he's going to be able to play him very well which is yeah, no question. very impressive for, for a guy. But yeah, like the Texas game, like he was matched up against guys like Tariq Black and Brennan Eagles who were like 6'3", 6'4", 210 plus pounds. So, you know, there were times when he would just, you know, get beat there. And that's to be expected sometimes. And they would try to give him some help with safeties over the top. But yeah, I think my worst trait for him is, you know, might have been pretty basic this time around, but it's just size and position limitations because, you know, he's small. You're gonna have to play him the slot. It's it is what it is. I think his press technique is actually pretty decent for a guy of his size. You know, when he was asked to press and jam receivers in the line of scrimmage, he did it pretty decently. Um, for his improvement, again, we're gonna hit this a lot with corners, but I think run defense and tackling, you know, there were some questionable angles. He's not the best tackler, obviously, just because of the size advantages he's giving up. So, you know, if you're playing in the slot, that's a little more concerning because you're just gonna be around the ball as a run defender more, you know, getting into the run fit, but I think it's not he want, it's not that he doesn't want to like he's a willing run defender he's just not super good at it so that's something that coach is gonna be like okay like I can you know fix this up to a point where he's at least you know adequate and serviceable as a run defender in the slot 
Yeah, and we that that run defense is a trait we've talked about needing improvement on pretty much all these guys today. Mm-hmm. I, I do think when you talk about that willingness, he is by far, in my opinion, the most ready to hit a guy player and yeah. the most aggressive player. And that that you really that aggressiveness, you do see it even on the field in terms of coverage as well. You don't have a lot of passive play out of him. He really is, he does attack the catch point. And it's just the size concerns, the strength concerns, stuff like that. Where, and and like you said, the pursuit angle is not the best, but really size, strength, a lot of his concerns. And you can't change that. That's the problem. That it's going to limit. You can't really change how tall you are. You can try to improve your vertical, improve your strength to try to mask it, but that can only go so far. And so I think when we talk about draft position, it really limits and concentrates him into a very specific draft range. And for me, that is third round because Mm -hmm. I don't think you can, I definitely don't think you can be a first round pick at that size. I don't think a team can necessarily take the risk of a guy being that small and not strong enough in the second, unless you are a team that is a nickel away from really doing something. If you're a nickel away, go ahead, take this guy. And you you just trust that a guy that hasn't really played nickel that has the athletic traits to be able to keep up with slot receivers and has good vision in terms of zone coverage and has all the traits you look for Alvin nickel, but hasn't played it. You trust that you can transition to that nickel position. So like if you're a, it would have been like, if you're the Browns last year, they really lacked that nickel position last year. They fixed it with getting Troy Hill, but you look if a team like that, that really is just, you get the nickel position down you're a championship contender, maybe second round, but I really think it's a third round pick. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because yeah, like he's pretty much said it all. You know, if you're like you said, if if they really have a need at nickel corner, maybe you go after him just because you you know that's really your one of your few needs. If you know you're if you have a guy there kind of already, you need a guy to develop. You know, Hodges Thomason's really good at that. I I, I am comfortable in him transitioning from outside to nickel because of TCU's defense and how complex it is and how he's kind of being asked like, okay, you're the guy who has to kind of sort a lot of this out as the field corner. Like there's going to be a lot of rotations, a lot of routes coming your way and you need to figure out where to be. You know, I think because of that, I'm not as worried about him transitioning into the slot as it would be like a guy like Tejada. And I I think Gilmore's like still fine, but I would still be more comfortable with Hodges Tomlinson than Gilmore. Yeah. And I, before we sign off here, I want to, I want to ask, how would you rank these guys? Because when we get to our positional rankings, even if we do top 10, probably just one of these guys, possibly a second, but I doubt it even, even if we get, would go out that far. So I wanted to see how you would rank these guys because these are some of the lower level day three type guys. Yeah, I had high hopes for some of these guys. They uh, Most of them did not deliver. Uh, Tomlinson is definitely number one. Or Hodges Tomlinson is definitely number one. Gilmore's number two, Daniels is number three, Todd is number four. And I would say probably I'm trying to think like Todd is or not Todd. Um Todd Hodges Tomlinson is still comfortably away from the guys we watched from 
the SEC and the I would say he's probably higher than a guy like Damari Mathis for me. Uh, but I'd probably take Garrett Williams over THT at this point. But those guys are pretty close. And I, that that's kind of, again, depends on team scheme. And obviously their roles be a little different. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty close to you in terms of that. I do have the same order. I think uh, Gilmore and Daniels are probably the two closest to each other. Mm. And uh, I do I, – I would personally – if I need an outside corner, I'm not taking Hodges Tomlinson. But if I just need a corner, like I have a guy who has inside-out versatility where I'm not worried about which one I'm taking, I, I think I would lean Hodges Tomlinson over a guy like Garrett Williams and Damari Mathis. But I think it, I think it's very close, and it really will come down to which, which, what you need, if you need a nickel or if you need an outside corner. But I, th- I think those are very – guys are very close i think hodges tomlinson is more of that late three and then those guys i had is both late three and then early four for sure so, we, we're just not seeing primary yeah. slot corners really going any higher than the third round at this point even though they are kind of your de facto 11th defender with the nfl these days but teams are still like i think because they're just generally so many like it's a pretty uh, there's pretty much a surplus of that position. Like, cause again, like, like we talked about a lot is you can convert some of these guys from outside to inside from college. And there's plenty of guys that you can find to do that. Yeah. And at, at the nickel, you really just, uh, unless you think he's going to be an elite player, it is, it is in that high value position. So we will be back later on the next episode to discuss more corners because this is a great corner class very deep despite what despite what you may have heard today this is a great corner class we got a lot of guys to hit in this so we will be back on the next one let's get fired up